Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh my gosh. It is a sunny winter day here in the green mountains of Vermont where I sit in gratitude. Gratitude for everything. For this journey, for the opportunity to share it, for the sunshine that's today, even for just life itself, of course. Grateful for the gift of life. I used to really feel like life was a curse. I remember when I was 12 years old and I got my first period, I started menstruating. I felt cursed to be a woman. And uh, many times in my life I felt cursed by this human experience, by this body, by all the confusion that I felt and all the anger and fear and sadness and hurt. And now that those are all things of the past, really pretty much, and I am in a stable place of peace and uh, a consistent sense of joy, I am grateful for all of it, all of it. And even now when there are challenges, I'm grateful to grow through them and to be able to learn from my experiences and to share with others with the intention of inspiring and assisting others to look for the highest and best opportunities that are being presented to them in this moment. It's one of the things we've been talking about in Masterful Living looking for the highest and best opportunities, looking to go the other way when we're not feeling good. Well, let's begin with a blessing and a prayer. Let's place our hands on our heart and wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and declare our willingness. We are willing to live a life of extraordinary and ordinary love. We are willing to know and remember the truth that we're already perfect, we're already free, that we are not sinners, we are as holy as holy can be. So grateful to open ourselves to new insight and new clarity about the truth that sets us free. We are sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, (laughs) we are in this Obstacles to Peace section that just keeps giving. So just a quick recap. First obstacle is the desire to get rid of peace. And then we talked about the attraction of guilt. The second obstacle is the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. And then that 
so that was the second obstacle, and part of that was the attraction of pain. And now we are at the third obstacle, which is the attraction of death. Yes. So um, there are four obstacles in total. So we're we are mining this and it feels very rich to me. I'm I'm glad spirit put it right in front of me. So the third obstacle is the attraction of death. And uh, we're talking some about that because it's related to the body and believing that the body is what we are. So I'm one of the things I'm doing this year, I've mentioned it. Oh, by the way, uh, I've reopened Masterful Living program for just a few days. Um, we've had, um, oh, I'll, I won't go into all those details. But anyway, if you missed the cutoff for Masterful Living, come jump in right now. And you can still book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. Those are free calls if you have any questions. But registration, again, uh, will be closing um, after just a few days, and then you can't get in until next year. So if you have any interest in really transforming your life by working these Course in Miracles principles, having fun doing it, uh, making it a truly miraculous year. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. Also, this weekend, Sunday, uh, February 12th, I believe it is, I am doing a workshop on self-love, which I love to do right before Valentine's Day. So come join me for that. That's a bonus for everyone in Masterful Living. All right, so we are looking at the attraction of death, and I was saying that later this year I'm going to be doing a program that I'm working on developing right now called Healing Your Mind About Your Body. And so the attraction of death is very much related to the guilt and the belief that we are a body. So uh, as I seem to be saying a lot lately, I am not a body, but I have a body. I am not my personality, but I have a personality. I am not my car, but I have a car. I just took my car into the shop yesterday because a deer hit me and uh, really messed up the car. And... Uh, and the deer ran off. So <laughs> interesting. But so I, I was thinking about this earlier that I don't identify with my car at all. Not at all, at all, at all. It's just a vehicle that I drive around. When I'm not in my car, I don't think about my car. In fact, I probably would do well to think about my car just a little bit more. Uh, because I totally forget about it when I am not in it. And I'm, I, I really can see that my body is not who I am, but it's a vehicle that I'm related to because it feels like in this world, I'm in it. It does feel like I'm in it, just like it feel, when I'm in my car, I feel like I'm in my car. But I know I am not my car. I'm just sitting in my car. Actually, my body is sitting in the car, and I'm having the experience of 
seeming to look through the eyes of my body and be in the car. So this attraction of death, just like the attraction to guilt, it's very helpful to us to understand it in order to break the habitual mental and emotional patterns around it. And I would say that this is one of the things that people tend to avoid or shy away from because they're not that interested in thinking about it. And yet, how many people think about death all the time? Just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So let's see what it says here. We're in chapter 19, section 4, C, 1, C. (laughs) The third obstacle, the attraction of death. To you and your brother, in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and be released from the dedication to death. Okay, so if you're new to A Course in Miracles, that probably just sounds like muckety-muck. I mean, just what is that? So in chapter 17, uh, section 5, I believe it is, uh, there's uh, some really, really helpful information about healing relationships. And I've done a lot of episodes on this topic of relationship. By the way, if you're looking for the first 300 or so episodes, look in a different podcast. There are two podcasts, and pretty soon we're going to have a third one. So there's A Course in Miracles and then A Course in Miracles Archive. Uh, If you're on an Apple device, you're going to see that the podcast is divided into multiple episodes. If you're listening with, I think, Spotify uh, or Stitcher, places like that, they have all the episodes because this is, uh, I think, we're coming up towards 600 episodes here. So especially in the first half a dozen years or so of the podcast, I did a lot of episodes on relationship and particularly transforming relationships from special ego-based relationships to holy spirit-based relationships. And so when we invite the Holy Spirit into our relationship, the Holy Spirit will do the heavy lifting of transforming the relationship from ego-based to spirit-based, from special to holy. And uh, what it says here, that to you and your brother, could be your mother, your father, could be any person in which you... uh, have invited the Holy Spirit into your special relationship to have it be transformed to Holy One. To those of us who are looking to Spirit to transform our relationships, it is given 
to release and be released from the dedication to death. So part of the transformation of the holy relationship is to be released from the dedication to death. When we step into a full or more full relationship, uh, realization of our holiness, then that is what releases us from the dedication to death. And when we do that in our relationship, we are accepting a holy relationship, which means the love that we have for the other person is without conditions. So there could be a ton of things that we don't like about what's going on in the relationship, but the love we are very clear is not without is not with conditions. The love is pure, it's pristine. And it's peaceful. The relationship is peaceful, even if everything isn't exactly how we'd like it. We are in in the transformation to the holy relationship, all the things that we think we want start to fall away. Because ultimately what we're looking for, and this is key here, this is really, really key. What we're looking for in our relationships is the joining. It's the joining together in unconditional love. And we think that things like fidelity, um, that our partner recognizes our birthday and our anniversaries and that we go on fun vacations together, that we share the household responsibilities equally, that we share the responsibilities for the children equally, or it's divided in a way that feels fair. All those kinds of things are what, when we're in an ego-based special relationship, those things are what we think will make us happy. So I would be happy in this relationship if we could just have date night once a week, if uh, I could just get some help with these things, if they would just understand how stressful my job is and that right now I can't have too many responsibilities at home because I've got all this going on at work and having this job supports our lifestyle and our retirement and all. You know, we have all these conditional thoughts going on that our happiness uh, would occur if only these conditions were met. If only these things could happen, then I would feel safe. Then I would feel loved. Then I would feel at peace, right? So the spiritual qualities of peace and love and joy and freedom and wholeness and harmony and prosperity and clarity and abundance, all of these spiritual qualities, not one of them is conditional. But the ego-minded person always thinks they're conditional. If I have more money, I'll be happier. If I have more health, I'll be happier. If uh, my partner would be faithful to me, I'll be happier. If my partner would marry me, I'll be happier. If I could just move out of this apartment and into a house, I'll be happier. It's always conditional. 
you see. And so the special relationship is always incomplete. And the holy relationship is always complete. Remember uh, the scene in the wonderful movie Jerry Maguire where he says to her, you complete me. You complete me. I would like to be able to (laughs) say to people in that scene in the movie, I'd like to be able to pause it and say, there's your special relationship. He thinks she completes him. What he doesn't understand is he's already whole. He's never been incomplete. It's an illusion. The incompleteness is an illusion. And he's trying to find the conditional happiness in this special relationship and the belief that she completes him and that then because she completes him, he could potentially be happy if he can be with her. If she will let him back into her life, then he would be complete, then he would be happy. But that's not going to make him happy. What will make him happy is to, or actually it would be more appropriate to say, what will stop making him unhappy is this idea that he's not already complete because he's one with her, so he's already complete. And living with her will not make him more complete, although it certainly could have a lot of benefits, including the holy relationship. So one of the aspects of a special relationship is it is part of the dedication to death and the holy relationship brings us the release from the dedication to death and then that's something we can extend to others okay see how rich this is my goodness so he says jesus says here For it was offered you, and you accepted. You were offered the holy relationship, and you accepted. Yet you must learn still more about this strange devotion to death. For it contains the third obstacle that peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. Interesting. Interesting. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Now, what pops into my mind here is Woody Allen. So, um, forgetting, you know, the social stuff about Woody Allen and whatever's gone on with him. Um, I I was a Woody Allen fan at a young age, starting with, you know, what are now considered as very old movies, um, and played against Sam and all, you know, all those movies set in Manhattan. Of course, they're all set pretty much, well, most of them are set in Manhattan anyway. Um a place I aspired to live, and then I did move to, and I lived there for 10 years. 
and uh, my boyfriend's best friend's wife was uh, one of his producers, and um, we used to go to all the Woody Allen movies. Anyway, um, if you are familiar with Woody Allen's writing, then you know that one of the things that he talks about constantly is fear of death, and the other thing he talks about constantly is feeling guilty feeling so so guilty and he makes the guilt part about being Jewish being raised to feel guilty um, and and he, there's a lot of humor around that right uh, but if you can step back from that a minute and see that the guilt and the fear of death are connected they are connected Think about someone who feels really guilty for the things they've done or not done in this life. They aren't aware that the guilt that they're experiencing is the unconscious guilt that is coming up for healing and is being triggered by their experiences. And in... I mean, there's so many kinds of guilt. There's survival guilt, and there's just so many kinds of guilt. Could go on and on and on and on about all the different things that trigger guilt. But that experience of guilt that people have, it it really is this unconscious guilt coming up for healing. And that unconscious guilt is related to this idea that we believe that we chose to separate from God and we should be punished for it. So guilt and punishment go together. People who feel guilty are always expecting the punishment and they actually feel some relief when they are punished. So we talked about the attraction of guilt a a few weeks ago. So here, death is related to that guilt. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Guilt, too, is feared and fearful. Yet it could have no hold at all except on those who are attracted to it and seek it out. And so it is with death. Made by the ego, its dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the enemy of life. And enemy is in quotes here because there is no real enemy, because there is no other. But that's the appearance, that the ego is is the enemy of life, uh, because the ego thought system is this thought system based in guilt and the expectation of the punishment and the ultimate punishment is death. Next paragraph here. And yet a shadow cannot kill. So the shadow of death falls across all living things, and yet a shadow cannot kill. What is a shadow to the living? They but walk past, and it is gone. But what of those whose dedication is not to live? The blacked 
black draped sinners. Sinners is in quote here because there are no actual sinners. It's a misperception, right? This is one of the uh, ego's laws of chaos that everyone's a sinner, therefore everyone will be punished. But what of those whose dedication is not to live? The black draped sinners, the ego's mournful chorus, plodding so heavily away from life, dragging their chains and marching in the slow procession that honors their grim master, Lord of Death. (laughs) So dramatic. Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at death. Now, I just want to say this is so true. This is so true. I see it all the time with folks in Masterful Living because what we are doing is we are focusing on these practices from A Course in Miracles. We're not focusing on studying it. We're focusing on applying it, the actual living of it. And so the work that we do with forgiveness is so deeply, profoundly transformational People let go of this morbid fixation. Oh my goodness, it's time for me to get into a break here. We are going to come right back to this because we are transcending this fascination with death and the attraction of death has no power over us. (laughs) There's one power, it's the power of love and that is what we are. My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and I will be right back after this short break. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. All right. Welcome back. And we are talking about the attraction of death and talking about how when we bring forgiveness to someone else, extending it by our doing our own self-forgiveness work, then we, when we really dive deep into the self-forgiveness work, it's amazing how problems disappear. Healing happens in the body. Healing happens in the relationships. Healing happens in the finances. Healing happens in careers. People get their dream jobs. So many wonderful things occur when people do the miraculous self-forgiveness work. And one of the clear and consistent benefits that I see working with uh, well over a thousand people on a very close basis is that their families are transformed. The relationships go from special to holy and they start to live inside of these healed relationships 
and it extends out. It extends from the marriage. It extends from the family. It extends from the siblings. It extends to the children and the grandchildren. It extends to the co-workers. It is extraordinary how it just keeps rippling and rippling because we're all one. So touch any one of the people who are on a slow death march with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours, right? To have, give all to all. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at death. The sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. When we forgive ourselves, it's easy to stop judging and complaining about other people. We don't need to project our own self-hatred onto them anymore. This is no arrogance. It is the will of God. What is impossible to you who choose God's will as yours? Nothing. Nothing is impossible to you who choose his will as yours. Uh, that's my, my statement in response to it. So Jesus asks, what is impossible to those who choose God's will as their own? What is death to you if you're choosing God's will? to be in alignment with God's will. What is death to you? Your dedication is not to death, nor to its master, the ego. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you denounced death, exchanging it for life. So we're talking about exchanging the Holy Spirit's purpose in our relationship uh, for the ego's purpose. It's not a complicated formula. I've talked about this so many times. It's just, Holy Spirit, make my relationship holy. Then you will be challenged to accept the holiness. You will. I don't know anyone that doesn't find it at least a little bit challenging. And some people find it very, very challenging. Because they're just reluctant to give up their own experience of guilt and shame and blame. And But once you do, in one relationship, it's easier to do it in all relationships. So why wait? Why wait? And if you'd like company, come join us in Masterful Living. Your dedication is not to death nor to its master. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the ego, you renounced death, exchanging it for life. We know that an idea leaves not its source, and death is the result of the thought we call the ego, as surely as life is the result of the thought of God. Okay, so... In relationship to this attraction of death, we're going to do this next part, which is entitled The Incorruptible Body. So now we're chapter 19, section 4C, 3I. The incorruptible body from the, sorry, the incorruptible body from the ego came sin and guilt and death in opposition to life and innocence. 
So sin and guilt and death came in opposition to life and innocence and in opposition to the will of God himself. So this is important to recognize for us that the ego is always the opposite. It's always insane. And spirit is sanity. Love is sanity. Separation is insanity. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane, dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven? One thing is sure. God, who created neither sin nor death, wills not that you be bound by them. Okay, so... In this world of the illusion, things are made by the ego. And we can also experience that which is created from our God mind, our miracle mindedness. So expressions of love and beauty, expressions of the spiritual qualities are the Things that are created in this world, things that are made, are everything else that is uh, temporary. From the ego came sin and guilt and death in opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven. One thing is sure, God who created neither sin nor death wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its results. The shrouded figures in the funeral procession march not in honor of their creator, whose will it is they live. They are not following God's will they are opposing it. So think of people who fear growing old, who fear death, who feel guilty and ashamed. They're not wrong and bad and stupid. They're just identified with the body and embroiled in the ego thought system. So here's something you can offer them. Call upon the Holy Spirit to make your relationship with them holy. And then see what you experience. So again, this part here is the incorruptible body. He says in the next paragraph, paragraph four, what is the black draped body they would bury? a body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing condemned and damned by its maker and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You see, like going back to Woody Allen, this is the thing that many people do is they they see themselves on a death march. They don't see themselves as eternal. The time is short. 
because they're not recognizing their true identity. And we can help them by not holding anything against them, by not judging them, by not complaining about them, and calling for a holy relationship. We will have a healing, and they will have a healing. This is what he is saying to to us here, that, uh, well, in, in earlier paragraphs, that Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with your chains. Yes, 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 yes. A body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin, offered to sin to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing condemned damned by its maker and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to this are arrogant, right? Because you're usurping God as the authority. Remember, um, years and years and years ago, I did a, uh, an episode about the authority problem. Who's the authority in your mind? Is it the Holy Spirit Or is it the ego? So if it's the ego, there's the arrogance right there. There's the hubris. You who would release him are but honoring the will of his creator. The arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulcher of separation are all part of your unrecognized dedication to death. One of the things I think of is I work for God Incorporated, not just because I'm a minister, because I'm a spiritual counselor, spiritual teacher. I I think even if I were uh, someone who made pottery or if I was a kindergarten teacher, I think I still would believe that uh, I see myself as working for God Incorporated, as I call it in service to the light. So when we're in service to the light, then we are honoring the will of our creator. And that's what teachers of God are all about. It's really just recognizing that we are one with someone else. And when we liberate them from our judgments of them, instead of condemning them for their cries for love. We're honoring their cries for love. So many times when people do mean and cruel and vicious things, the mind wanders to punishment rather than correction. Uh, The mind wanders to criticism rather than compassion. And we can transform that that truly can be transformed you who believe you have condemned the son of god to this death are arrogant but you who would release him are but honoring the will of his creator the arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulcher of separation are all part of your unrecognized dedication to death. And by the way, if you're not familiar with the word 
sepulcher. People don't really use it that much, but it's a tomb, like um, at a um, mortuary or a um, graveyard. The sepulcher of separation, the death tomb of separation. So when we're willing to give up the attachment to the belief in separation, we can also give up the dedication to death. They go together. He says, the glitter of guilt you laid upon the body would kill it. So the glitter of guilt that we lay upon our own body, other people's bodies, would kill it. For what the ego loves, it kills for its obedience. But what obeys not, it cannot kill. You have another dedication that would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, it is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. I think this is important because I know for myself that I've had so many experiences, thousands of them in my lifetime, where I felt like the body was craving things. Craving sweets, craving something salty, craving sex, craving uh, alcohol, craving... um, cigarettes, things like that. But the craving is not in the body, it's in the mind. See, and when we think it's the body, we are then the victim of the body. The body is making us behave these ways. And it can go down a very, very dark, dark path. I have seen it with people in sadomasochism, with counseling folks. I've seen it with um, uh, sex addiction, what what they called sex addiction, and with um, um, body dysmorphia. It can get really, really nasty and dark. And it all of it is this unconscious guilt coming up in this way, the belief in sin coming up this way. Uh, The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, it is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny, mad idea of corruption that can be corrected. So the tiny, mad idea is that we could be separate and we forgot to laugh we took it seriously and we've built the whole sepulchre to it in a sense it is the result the body is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption that can be corrected for God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. 
So for me, one of the most helpful things is simply I'm interested in the thoughts I think with God. I am no longer interested in thoughts that I would think with the ego. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. That statement, saying it over and over again throughout my day, I live as the Christ consciousness. I demonstrate love and compassion and beauty and affluence and wisdom. My mind is the mind of God. My heart is the heart of God. In this world, my hand is the very hand of God. And I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. I am a creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. So rather than trying to banish the darkness, which actually makes it into a real thing, Instead, we focus on the light. We do not focus on the darkness. God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings the creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given, through your acceptance, the power to release from corruption. Think of that. We have been given the power to release others from corruption. What better way to teach the first and fundamental principle in A Course on Miracles than by showing you the one that seems to be the hardest can be accomplished first. So it can seem to be the hardest thing to release our brothers and sisters, ourselves, the body from corruption. But that can be accomplished first. That can be the first real miracle. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look on it, so it will seem to be. So we don't see the body, we see what we think the body is. We don't see the body, we see what the, we think the body is. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. So the body is a communication tool. I am communicating, so it seems, through my body right now. Through my vocal cords. Through my breath. This is what is talked about in the manual for teachers, that the teachers of God are communicating with the body, showing up to be in earthly presence so that others can walk with us and talk with us and accept their own healing. Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it to come to save them from communication, from communicating love. People choose death in order to avoid communicating love, compassion, the truth. For death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth, the answer to the answer, the silencer of the voice that speaks for God. Now, what I remember 
years ago was feeling so strongly, I cannot be that good. I've talked about this a lot, thinking, I I can't be that good. I, I can't be a minister. I can't be that good. I can't be a spiritual practitioner. I can't be that good. I can't be that loving. Why did I think that? Of course I could be that good, that loving, that kind, that generous, that compassionate. I could be my true self. Why did I think I couldn't? I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't know that I didn't want to. But that really was the truth truth of it. Death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth. The answer to the answer, the silencer of the voice that speaks for God. Yet the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's answer is its end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death, that peace must flow across it to be very great. Uh, that peace must flow across seems to be very great. The obstacle of your seeming love for death, that peace must flow across, seems to be very great. For in it lie hidden all the ego's secrets, all its strange devices for deception, all its sick ideas and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union, the triumph of the ego's making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself. So the ego's victory is found in death. The spirit's victory is eternal life. Think about what Jesus said. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is why he needed the crucifixion for people to see his public death of the body so that they could realize when he transfigured within the tomb, the sepulcher, (laughs) within the tomb, he was transfigured And then he walked around, he said hello to people, he sat with people, they saw his body was pristine, and he could actually be that living demonstration of there is no death. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So death is the end of union, the end of oneness, right? That's the way it seems from the ego perspective. Under the dusty edge of distorted world, the ego would lay upon the Son of God, slain by its orders, proof in the decay of God himself as powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that he created against the ego's savage wish to kill. My brother, child of our father, this is a dream of death. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, no twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of it. 
but free it from merciless and unrelenting orders you laid upon it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In its exaltation, you commanded it to die, for only death would conquer life. And what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God and think it real? We are part of God, so we cannot be killed. We are eternal by our nature. I'm thinking of Yogananda, Parmanasa Yogananda, who started the Self-Realization Fellowship, a true mystic. When he decided to move on from this world, it seemed like his body died, but he gave a talk to his followers, and then he said, basically, check please, that's it for me. I'm going to lay the body down, and he did and he shuffled off the mortal coil. Right there, someone who has tremendous clarity, awakened awareness, that's how he chose to exit. Did he die? Of course he didn't die. He laid the body down, and then he withdrew from it. It's another way to look at it. Such good stuff here. We need to be willing to look at our attraction to death. Do we fear death? Is Are we looking forward to death? Seriously, start to really look at your thoughts about death with death. It will help you to give up this idea that you're a body. So helpful. I am not a body, but I have a body to use. I am not a personality, but I have a personality to express in this world. I think it's important to put the two together. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It is coming time for me to um, wrap it up here. And just before I do, I would like to share with you that Masterful Living, my year-long program, which is so profoundly healing and life-changing, we are accepting Uh, A few more registrations here before we permanently close the registration for the year. Come jump in now. I I promise you won't regret it. And we do have a money-back guarantee, so you can always get out if you'd like to. And uh, then also on Sunday, February 12th, is my self love workshop. It's a three-hour workshop on Zoom. Last year it was awesome. And I hope you'll consider coming to join us. I'm so pumped up about this year. I feel like there's so much intensity going on and so much healing in the people I see around me. And I'm so grateful that we get to really experience this deep and profound healing. This is the time for it. It really is. Uh, amongst my friends and, and uh, colleagues who are doing this spiritual work, they are experiencing tremendous healing right now. We've got a lot going on this year at the Power of Love Ministry, and you are welcome to come join us. Check out jenniferhadley.com. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful and thankful to know that there is no separation. I am not a body. I am not a personality. I am the power and the presence of love as we all are. Eternal, infinite, perfect love. So grateful and thankful for the gifts of God this day and every day. Sharing the benefits with everyone who let it be. So it is. 
Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. I love you. May you always know you're blessed.